And we're live, folks. So uh, we are really excited about uh, tonight's guest. But before we get there, we want to give a thank you to our friend Irving, uh, Dennis, Eli, Eric, Alex, and Sam for showing on our impromptu uh, live cast of just me and Kent just kind of shooting the breeze about the hobby, doing some box breaks. And it was actually a lot of fun. It was it wasn't as uh, somewhat sometimes it's stressful to do an interview, and you're like you know always thinking about the questions. It was kind of nice to freestyle and do a bit do the ebb and flow and just answer questions. But we're really excited about tonight's guest. So I'm gonna let Kent do the honors. Go ahead, buddy. Thank you. Uh, we are to have on our show for tonight another woman of the hobby. She's a Nittany Lion grad. Previously worked at MLBPA. Is a Yankees fan. And is currently the communications manager for the Tops Company. Please welcome Emily Kless to the show. And I could bring her on. I almost <laughs> forgot. There we go. <laughs> Minor details, guys. <laughs> well, welcome, Emily. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. Awesome. Um, just for clarity, just to get this out of the way, to our audience for tonight, um, and most importantly, out of respect for tonight's guest, due to Tops going public, we won't be answering any questions of Tops related to NFTs, the future plans, and anything geared towards that uh, kind of topic or theme. Otherwise, Emily will be happy to answer any other questions you may have. So, Emily, we know you were just at the National, and Tops is very well represented in big shows and all-star games and stuff like that. So, can you give us a little bit of uh, how the show went and what was it like to interact with so many fans of Tops? Yeah, the National was great. Um, we had such a fun time, and just being back in person with everyone was so nice. I think that it really just gave it an added layer of excitement this year because we didn't have it last year. So um, everyone was just, you know, that much more raring to go and and ready for the Nationals. So the booth was awesome. It was busy start to finish. Our events team just does an incredible job, um, as you mentioned, from All-Star to the Nationals to our transcendent events. Um, they just crush it uh, every single day. And it's really cool to see and really cool to be a part of. So um, booth was busy. We had rapper redemption. We had pack wars. We had so many appearances, project 70 artists, Fergie Jenkins, Chipper Jones. There was just always something going on at the booth, which was great. And, uh, having our collectors there in person was, you know, just icing on the cake. It was really nice to be able to chat with people, um, meet people who I had only spoken to online for a year and a half. Um, you know, just be able to actually have some in-person interaction was, was really great. Was there anything that at the show that stood up to you the most for during your time that was there? You were there. Yeah, you know there was a couple, um, a couple different people. I, I don't think one story in particular, but during some of the rapper redemption, uh, that program, a couple of people, you know, came up. They got their silver packs, and then they actually came back to the booth later that day to open up the product they had originally bought, like with people on the tops team. And I just thought that was so neat because we. <laughs> we really got that firsthand experience with a few of the collectors that were like, Hey, I just want to rip this open with you guys. And so I was standing there and someone pulled, um, you know, an auto of Jeter numbered to five and, wow. and wow. someone else pulled, um, a printing plate with Blake Snell on it. Like it was just, there were so many, um, you know, of course, like fun hits to witness, but to know that people, you know, came, they got their rap redemption and then, they circled back later on the show and maybe it was, you know, a little less busy for us just to rip open some product with the tops team right there. I thought that was just so awesome. Um, 
that people did that. It's really cool to be a part of, be able to chat with people in person and um, just share over this, you know, love of trading cards that we have. So that was, you know, some of my favorite moments was really just getting to be a part of the fans experience at the show itself. Nice, nice. So I'm going to delve a little bit into your past history. So was it sports, participating in sports, or was it a family member that gave you your first introduction into sports cards? And did you collect cards when you were younger? Yeah, I did. I think it all kind of boils down to my dad. Um, he's got his complete sets from 63, 64, 65. Uh, we still open cards together, um, which is a lot of That's fun. Really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I try and always, you know, bring him home something every time that um, I head down and visit my parents. So we're always, you know, ripping open cards together, which is a blast. And it's just, it's kind of what it's all about, right? Just being able to have that connection with someone and bond with someone. So he was definitely the reason I got into trading cards because he's been a collector and our, our family is just very sports oriented. I've always played sports my whole life. So I still have my, my little league softball trade them card that, uh, that they give to you on the T-ball team. Um, so it's kind of just always been a part of my life and I love, you know, collecting my own cards. I mean, who doesn't? Um, so that, that's kind of how I got into collecting. And then I think to, uh, working for the MLBPA really showed me a different side of, um, the business of collecting, which was so interesting to me. And, um, that led me right to tops. So, uh, it's been, a you know, I'm so grateful for the journey that I've had and my, my time here with Tops has been nothing short of amazing. And, uh, you know, I still feel like it's also only just begun for me. So um, yeah. really exciting stuff. But uh, yeah, I've always been a fan of cards, a fan of collecting and sports especially. So it just feels like the perfect fit. Now, before I throw it over to Meet, did you personally get a chance to walk the floor and find anything for yourself? Yeah, so I walked to the show floor and I told myself, you guys, that I wasn't going to buy anything, um, which almost happened. <laughs> I, um, I was walking around with two of my coworkers, um, to uh, Jillian Gross, who runs all of our events. She does just such an amazing job. Um, the, the booth, the details, the amount of time and effort that goes into every single event um, is blows me away every time. So big shout out to Jill and Stephanie Rothstein who works alongside Jill um, putting together all our events and everything that goes into the behind the scenes. So we finally had a moment. I said, guys, let's walk around the show. Let's just see what's there. Um, Cause I know myself, I knew I was going to get carried away if I started buying things. So if I didn't start to buy anything, I would, um, I would be okay. But we stumbled across the table and there was, it was a really neat idea. They had just basically brown paper bags that said, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, etc. just on top of the bags. And it was five bucks. You buy a bag. You have no idea what's in it outside of either being one um, relic or auto guaranteed in each bag. And so I said, you know what? We're here at the show. Like, let's just, you know, five bucks. We got this. We'll see what happens. We'll see what comes out. And so the three of us, you know, just stood at a table and ripped it open. And it was it was really fun to kind of have that experience together after you put so much work into the show itself and so much behind the scenes work and making it all come together that we just got to experience the fun of the show for ourselves. And so, um, yeah, having the three of us just rip open a $5 blind bag was, was a lot of fun and kind of, you know, scratch the itch a little bit as far <laughs> as, uh, as, you know, 
spending some money at the show, but uh, I came out pre pretty unscathed other than the $5 purchase. <laughs> That's you good. Have to, <laughs> do you have to actually go covert operation, take off your, your top employee outfits and put on like a cloak <laughs> and go out there so you don't get harassed? No, no. I met so many amazing people because of that, which was the fun part. People were, you know, coming up to me and stopping me and just chatting and saying where they came from and, uh, you know, how how long they've been collecting tops, what they like, what they don't like. Um, so it, I, I really welcome those interactions. Um, I don't shy away from it because that, that's not really in my personality, but also it's um, you know, it's what makes tops tops. The fact that we have really great connections and relationships with so many of our consumers. So um, I was, you know, fortunate to meet a whole bunch of people that stopped me on the show floor. And uh, yeah, it was, um, you know, great interactions all around. So I'm definitely happy and, and satisfied with my time at the National. Awesome. So before we go into uh, some more questions, I want to quickly give a shout out to those who joined. I want to say hi to Dennis. Dennis checks out all our shows. He's happy, everyone. Happy Tuesday. So thanks for popping by, Dennis. We have a name from Indigenous Rookie Card. Yes, the hobby nerds have assembled. I didn't do the shout out on Instagram. I forgot about it, but I'll do it next time. Um, we have Yannick, who always checks out our shows every now and then. So we appreciate your, your patronage. And we have uh, Sam from Women of the Hobby here. So she comes out to check out our show, too. And if Susan might watch this later, Susan Logilek from uh, Yanks Chicks, she'll be interested in that Jeter auto. I sure that they got pulled at your booth. So I, she's powering the internet I, I know Susan. Well, she's got just a killer Yankee and, and yeah. Jeter collection. Um, and a big shout out to Sam, too, who I got the had the pleasure of meeting on the show floor. Um, Sam was great, so I'm glad she's tuning in here. And thanks, everyone, for, for tuning in. And thank you guys for having me on. This is fun. For sure. So... You know, I want to get into why you wanted to be at Tops, but just before I go there, I think it's really cool that you worked at the MLBPA, so you got to see that side of the business, and maybe just we can ask you some questions about that a little later on after we get through this, if we have time. But what was it about Tops that made you want to go there? I mean, the, the history of Tops is pretty rich. Um, they have their footprint is pretty stellar within the hobby itself. So what, what attracted you to Tops and why did you want to go there? Yeah, I think when I was at the MLBPA, um, I just learned so much about trading cards and the intricacies of it because I saw such a, a different side of it coming from the PA as far as the approval process goes and um, all, how, the, how the products are built. And it was just really fascinating to me. And I've always liked trading cards. So I think it was a pretty seamless fit when um, a role opened up to, to join top. So um, it, it was just so interesting being at the PA because I think from a sports fan perspective too, you grow up rooting for a team or rooting for a particular player or whatever it might be. And I think the PA really taught me that you just root for individual guys, right? You root for players to do well. And it kind of almost put this team aspect aside for me, even though I am a Yankees fan. Um, I, I found myself really learning to love the stories about the individual players, um, no matter what team they were on. And I now kind of feel the same way about collecting a little bit. Um, someone asked me like sort of a similar question at the national, um, just, you know, who do you collect and why? And I think, a couple of years ago, I would have just said, you know, I, I collect Yankees and that's because I'm a fan of the Yankees. But now um, coming at it a couple of years later and having the experiences that I've had the pleasure to have, 
I, I now just collect the guys that mean something to me personally, or maybe I, I love their story. Um, I love their background, or I've had the pleasure of working with them at an event um, or interviewing them uh, for whatever you know purpose it might have been. And so I find myself you know collecting the guys that I've begun to have relationships with or connections with. And so my approach to collecting has kind of changed um, since I've been at Tops, but and, and I think that kind of all you know begins with my time at the PA and just learning to, to root for players and root for the stories and root for the good of the game. So I'm going to ask you a bit of a different question here. And I was kind of just going through the psychology of, you know, going from the PA. First of all, I'd be tickled pink to be at the PA because it would be just a cool moment. But when you walked into the Tops building after you've gotten the job, you're about to start your first day. What were like the first two thoughts that went through your mind? First few thoughts that went through your mind? And what was the first thing you wanted to go check out? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll debunk a little bit of a myth because people like to think that Tops is like a Willy Wonka factory. Um, which unfortunately it's not, but I, I, there are some cool display cases and whatnot throughout the office. Um, but I think, you know, my first thoughts was walking in was just that I was so happy to be there. Um, it really felt like my, my first role, um, in which I felt like I was making a true difference. And, and when I came to tops too, I'll share that I was in the digital department at first. So our mobile apps division, where you where you can own and trade digital trading cards from mobile apps on your phone. So that was also a whole nother world of tops to kind of enter outside of the, you know, the physical realm, I'll call it. So it was a really interesting start to my experience at tops, but I'm thankful for it. And I'm, I'm glad it worked out that way because I learned so much about the, you know, the digital apps and the whole digital side of the business that I don't think I would have had the opportunity to learn from had I only been working in the, the sports and entertainment side or our physical side. Um, but yeah, I mean, first and foremost, just ha happy and grateful to be there. And I, I still feel that way walking in every day. Well, we haven't been to the office in a while, but even just walking into the national, um, he, you know, hearing the stories and, and the connections that people have to tops and how many people love tops, it, it almost, makes it entirely worthwhile. It just gives you such a great feeling to know that you're you're a part of an organization that makes a difference in so many people's lives. And that was a, a unique feeling that I didn't expect to come away with from the national, but I'm so, so glad that I did. Nice. So in your role at, at being a communication manager, and you have you obviously have to go to large events like the national and annual grip parties. Uh, what is the, exactly is your portfolio of responsibilities right now at Tufts? Sure. So a couple of different areas. Um, first and foremost, I oversee our social media channels. So our online presence, yeah. we're at tops on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, our YouTube presence as well. So along with that comes a lot of the public facing communications as well as our, our content, um, which we have slowly been growing, which has been exciting. Um, we're, we're slowly gathering a, a content team and, you know, we're able to produce some videos and some things that are you know uh, more about this experience of tops rather than just the product at the end of the day um, i also oversee our public relations so any newsworthy moments and press releases and all that fun stuff falls under me um, and and yeah, really just all things you know public facing communication i'll call it so it's um it's a little bit of everything you know media included in that um, but it's it's a lot of fun because i get to chat with so many different people um, throughout the course of a day, if not the year. And uh, so so that's a little bit about, you know, my roles and responsibilities. And of course, being on site at the events themselves, 
Um, the goal is just to bring the event to life for people who are there, but also people who aren't there, people who are following along uh, at home on social, you know, like the national, not everyone could be there, not uh, MLB all-star, not everyone could be there. And so how do you take what's happening at the booth and, and at least be able to show it off in some capacity to the people who aren't there. So that way they're, you know, following along with this hobby they love, but they're doing it through the lens of tops and, you know, to be able to kind of bridge that gap for consumers and, their favorite thing, which is trading cards. That's that's what we aim to do and strive to do on social at the very least. Um, so a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, about my roles and responsibilities. And of course, tapping in at all the events to make sure that the booth's running smoothly, any help they need, I'm there. Um, you know, we've I'm, I'm very thankful to be part of the team that I'm a part of. I'm part of the marketing team at Tops, and we are uh, small but mighty, and we just have a really great group that is so awesome to work with that runs all of our events. You'd think it's made up of a team of like 30 people, and it's not. It's a very small handful of us that gets it done day in and day out, and we love doing it together. We love doing it for the people that we do it for, so it's... Um, it's a great feeling, you know, coming to work every day and just knowing that that we're in it together and and this is why we're doing what we do. It's interesting because like my wife, she is in communication, so just want everyone to understand uh, communications field itself, uh, not just looking, not ignoring, not ignoring PR as part of it and every other aspect is a tough, tough position. Um, it's uh, not the easiest, and sometimes you have some difficult things that you deal with from a communications point of view. Um, and I see it with my wife every day. She she has to go through it with her profession. Um, I work in advertising and also work in tech, so I know full well the the complications there. So I appreciate your your knowledge and your enthusiasm to still keep trucking, which is great to see. Because sometimes in marketing, you know, some people they're a little bit on the bitter side, but you you're clearly you're passionate, and I'm glad to see that it hasn't uh, you know devolved what you would love doing, right? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, um, not every day is rainbows and butterflies, and that's okay. That's life, right? Um, you know, we're we're all human, uh, and I think that's you know what makes Tops a great place is that we are all human, and we're all fans, and we're all collectors ourselves. Um, you know, I I try and be as realistic or relatable, I guess, as possible because I feel like that you know that's what we are at the end of the day. We're all just human. So um, yeah, it's, you know, there's certainly things that are frustrating to me. There's frustrating um, things that I wish I could change that I don't have the power to change, you know, all, all of that, but um, we control what we can control. Um, that's our, that's our motto on the marketing team, control what we can control and do whatever we can control to the best of our ability. And I, I like to think that we do that. So um yeah, it's it's not easy, but um, the highs are definitely really high and makes it all worth it for sure. We'll, we'll get to nerd out on advertising in a bit, but I'll turn it over to, to Kent to take it the part away. Thanks, Amit. So kind of to segue into the next question. So we know that March of last year and literally all the way up until I'd say March of this year, the pandemic was pretty much pretty much overtaking all of North America at that point. Can you give us a semblance of what that was like for you and your team to navigate in terms of putting up relevant, fresh hobby content via your social channels, given that there wasn't really much going on and sports was very limited and the majority of customers base was sitting at home? Yeah, it was an interesting one there for a while. Um, you know, how our business is so driven on what happens on the field and how do you go about that when nothing's happening on the right. field, right? So we um, we had to get creative. We uh, I think we tried to just really bring content that 
didn't so much have to do with the game, but had to do with just the experience, um, just the experience of collecting. And one of my favorite, you know, mini campaigns that we ran on social last year was we just started putting out a dictionary of all hobby terms because yeah. so many people were new to the hobby and it was right, nice right. to be able to put some, you know, what is a base card? What is a relic? It was nice to be able to put that on our social channels and really, you know, bring that that hobby perspective to our pages without having to be that baseball perspective. And we still did so and, and you know, we still were able to chat about baseball, to chat about people's favorite players, but just using baseball cards as the mechanism in which to do so. So um, it was really, you know, interesting for a while. Of course, we had some some staffing that we had to deal with. So we had to get real scrappy with how we got our content. And uh, also, I will say that um, Project 2020 at that point dropped at a really great time because it was naturally giving us fresh content every single day that people were looking forward to. So not only from the um, you know engagement side of things, but also just from the product side of things, we still had some really great things going on to talk about um, on, on social specifically. So that definitely helped get us through. And uh, what was crazy to think about is just months before the pandemic really shut everything down, we were in Florida at spring training and we also had a crew in Arizona at spring training. And um, I just thank my boss every day that she let us go and get that footage because that got us through so much of um, quote unquote quarantine with being able to put out fresh content of players that um, we wouldn't have had otherwise had we not been able to attend spring training. So that was definitely um, you know something that we leaned on a lot was having some videos of players you know ripping open packs talking about what it was like seeing themselves on a card for the first time, some really fun stuff like that, that um, was really nice to get on our pages because it was fresh stuff that people hadn't seen before um, in a time where no one else was going on or nothing else was going on and you didn't really see these guys on camera. So that was a, a really nice part of our social strategy as far as the, the 2020 year went. Great. One quick wow. comment on that is it's really neat uh, really neat is the crowdsourcing angle of the content engine was in full effect. So you just had to kind of light a match and then also it would just, just propagate. There was nothing else for people to do other than to propagate content. So it was like a blessing in, in a sense that people had the time. So uh, from our perspective, at, at least professionally, we noticed that as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that UGC was a really big part of mm -hmm. what I wanted to to bring um, to tops and bring to our social channels because, at the end of the day, the people that are in the hobby they're they're the ones that are the, they're the voice, right? The tops is not the voice of the hobby. Sure. Tops is yeah. just the vehicle in which people join the hobby or connect to the hobby. So um, even still all over, you know, our Instagram stories, although admittedly not tonight, but, um, I, you know, usually on our Instagram stories, if people are pulling hits and they're tagging us, um, reposting it or, you know, oftentimes on Twitter, we'll retweet it. So, um, and it's, it's, it's not, um, you know, quoting a tweet and making it come from the top's voice. It's literally just retweeting someone because that's an awesome hit and those are their words. And that's yeah. how we connect people. And that sounds like a really silly kind of thing and a silly way to think about it. But when it comes to social strategy, um, not everything needs to come from Tops, sure. but Tops is able to support everything at the same time. And I think that's a, a really important, you know, indicator of, of our strategy and that we're relying on the people to be the voice of the hobby, which is exactly what they are. And we're just helping to, you know, amplify those voices where we can. Yeah. 
<laughs> Go ahead, Kent. I'm going to stop nerding out now. I want to. No, nerd out. Okay, right, we're good. We're good. <laughs> um, so, so Emily, um, are you in any way involved with Top UK? And before you answer that, the reason why I'm asking this is that Top UK and soccer cards are pretty much synonymous with collectors over in Europe. Now, it's no secret that Topps has been turning out some really nice soccer products. Plus, you have the World Cup in North America in 2026. What are your thoughts on the recent rise in soccer cards? And before you answer that question, I want to just show everybody my order of Topps Football Festival. Steve Aoki came in today. So maybe if everybody break a box tonight. So we'll see. Right on time. Um, yeah, I, we have a whole team out in the UK that handles a lot of, um, our UK based products, you know, notably Bundesliga as well. They handle, um, so I don't have to deal too much day to day with the UK team, okay. though I am in close contact with, um, the social media manager over there who okay. they just broke 10 K followers on Instagram very okay. recently. So that's been exciting to watch their following grow and, and see, the inf not only the influx in the um, quantity of the content, but the quality of the content as well, putting out super nice graphics and whatnot, just um, you know something that they've been trying to really grow over the past couple of years since I've um, at least been in contact with our, our UK counterparts and they're such great people as well. So um, it's really great to see how much they've grown, but um, yeah, soccer cards have been hot. I, I think that, you know, even just a couple of years ago, no one really expected them to to do what they've done. And we've just watched it unfold before our eyes, which has been amazing. Um, and when you have when you have something like that where, you know, all of a sudden something kind of blows up, it, it actually allows you to to play a little bit more with it, to see what collectors like and don't like. Whereas when you compare it to baseball, um, we almost already know what people are expecting from us and what people like and don't like. But when you have something that's so new, it really allows you to get creative, to play around with it. It allows you to fail, um, which is super important because that only helps you grow the uh, the next product or the next time around. So um, it's been it's been fun to watch the journey of soccer cards. And there's really no better time to be in soccer cards right now because of, like you mentioned, like World Cups coming and and all of, you know, the Euros were just on. So it's just the Olympics right now, right? There's just a lot of um, big tournaments happening in the sport. And so I think that that just naturally sheds a light, um, you know, on soccer cards as it is. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I, I, I've seen the rise in soccer. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy how much attention soccer is getting. I, th I think it's a good thing, though. Um, cause it's, it's one of those sports where it's kind of like a global appreciation for it, you know? Yeah. And you know, when you think about it too, soccer was one of the first sports that actually came back, um, during mm -hmm. the pandemic. So right. I think, you know, maybe that had something to do with it. I'm not sure it could, you know, just, just speculating for the sake of conversation, but Hey, you know, soccer was one of the first ones back. And so I think that, um, when people were just so starved for watching any type of sport on their TV, which I know I was, it was like, Hey, let's rally behind soccer now. Sure. Let's do it. And so, um, it's really nice to see how that momentum has just continued. What are two things that you take pride in most being the communication manager for tops? Is there top two things that come to mind? Wow, loaded question. I don't know if no. I can pick this two. Loaded question. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I take a lot of pride in is being able to do stuff like this, um, where I'm just being open and honest and connecting with 
people, um, you know, because so so much of our our big media, and when I say big media, I mean um, Fox and CBS and right. NBC. It's um, you know, it's a lot more produced and it's a lot more targeted. And with stuff like this and podcasts and web shows, I feel like I get to be a little bit more human um, and just you know have a conversation with the people who are at at the heart of the hobby, like you guys are, are the reason, you know, people tune in people watch, you guys are bringing the content from your perspective. And that's so, so important. And I try my best to, you know, come on these shows and be able to just chat because I think it's important for people to hear that um, there's a human side of tops because sure, there's, sure. you know, definitely frustrating things about tops and frustrating things that people have experienced. And even if I'm able to just put something in perspective to someone, or at least, you know, be the person that says, Hey, we recognize what's going on, then um, that's what I'm happy to do. And then I think my, my second thing that I might be most proud of is really just the growth of our social following. Um, when I had originally stepped into the role with Instagram specifically, cause we identified Instagram as one of our platforms that really had the most potential to grow. And I think that when you, when you look at the hobby or even just our consumers in general, um, if you're going to be on one of the social platforms, Instagram is usually the one that we find people on. And so we were, you know, we were, we were, had been unverified and maybe 80 K or so. And, um, you know, there just wasn't a lot of resources to put behind our Instagram account. And now, you know, two or so years later, coming up on two years later, we are, you know, very strong Instagram following. We're verified. We've got a good amount of followers. We're posting um, multiple pieces of content every single day and uh, bringing content in a way that people have not really seen before. Um, you know, just for a quick example, even something like Alan and Ginter, right? We started to announce all of the names that are going to be in Ginter, which drops right. next week. Yeah. And we right. it was so awesome to be able to get some of the talent themselves to send us a video of why they're excited to be on Ginter and and use that as a way to announce the checklist essentially. And I I feel like it's it's things like that where you might just give it a like and then scroll past it on your feed. But it's stuff like that that for me I'm especially proud of because we're really changing the way that we're bringing that connection or we're connecting fans you know even more to their favorite products favorite talent, favorite subjects, whatever it might be. So um, it's little things like that that I'm proud of that have been a bit of a grind. Um, you know, it, it takes, I, I like to say, it takes a long time to turn a big ship and sure. top mm -hmm. is certainly a, a big ship. So it's been, you know, a grind for a couple, you know, the past two years to be able to say, hey, this, this content is important. Our social presence matters. We need the resources to be able to bring unique content to our fans. And so we're slowly getting there, which is really, really exciting. What's interesting, and sorry, Kent, it's going to jump in real quick. So, you know, you know, Tops has done a very good job of its social presence. It's also uh, shifting the mindset from the old boys club to understanding how the youth operates, right? How does the current demographic operate? What are the metrics to push people to the right platforms? And the fact that Tops has embraced us, put you in the position of doing that, you know, and fostering that culture of, you know, of uh, innovation, it's very refreshing to see, you know, and I know this, I know you're Tops, and I'm going to mention Panini does the same thing on their own level, but not all companies are very socially conscious um, or aware of how to push those pedals, right? 
So it's neat to hear that, and it's neat that you've got. You know, and I can I can tell, and I know the logic and what goes behind all this. It's like just so everyone's aware. They don't just come up with a campaign. There's actually metrics. There's analytics. There's there's the data to support these models. And I'm really happy to hear the tops is doing that. Um, it definitely got me attentive when I heard tops 2020. Kent and I spent way too much money on that stuff. So, you know, it's uh, kudos to tops for for doing that. And I'm glad to hear that. So I just wanted to make sure that was well understood that, that by folks out there. Yeah. No, it's such a good point, Amit. And like I, I think too. Um, you know, we've changed from this mindset of like, oh, the intern has the password to Twitter, right? Yeah, and right, and right. is posting memes all day, right? Like yeah. our content has our content has evolved to a point where um, you know, maybe this is even a third thing that I'm proud of, but we had um a Zoom interview with Tom Clavin earlier this year. I think it was before the rip party and we asked him about Juan Soto being on, you know, the cover of series one and he had a great thing to say. And so we took that piece of his interview. And as soon as we announced Juan Soto was the cover um, shortly thereafter, we pushed a piece about Tom Glavin, you know, commenting on Juan Soto. And that piece of content got picked up by a news source that really just said like Tom Glavin, you know, shares his praise for Juan Soto about being on the cover of tops. And so the fact that we are making content that is now newsworthy Mm -hmm. And it's not just um, the product that's being newsworthy, but the content itself that's newsworthy. That's a huge, huge win in my book. And while that happens, you know, only so often, a few and far between, mm -hmm. the fact that it's starting to happen just means that we're, again, slowly moving in the right direction. So um, it's encouraging to see when when we have things that um, make a difference, you know, that go out there and they, they make a difference to the product, not in the way of, hey, this really big hit came out of the product or this is really cool insert about it, but by way of just content and getting people talking about it, I think, um, like I said, that's just a huge win in my book. For sure, and the fact that you come on our show, you know, there are people that have loaned their time and, and, and money, not, I was gonna say money, but not money, loaned their time uh, and effort to come on our show shows the importance and value placed on such things. So we appreciate that you've taken time out of your very busy day to do something like this for us. We're still growing and hopefully one day we'll be one of those mediums to help you push content for tops in the future. But we're all working towards our goals. Um, uh, sorry, Kent, you were going to ask something about Expo, I believe. Yeah, and not, not to put Emily in the hot seat again. But uh, at the last physical sports card expo here in Toronto back in November of 2019, Tops did have a minor presence at the show. Now, the sports card expo is Canada's version of the national, and baseball is becoming more and more collected in this country. Um, don't know if you can answer this question or not. Will Tops continue to have a pres presence at this show, or perhaps even a bigger presence in future shows? And I can tell you this, collectors would love it, and a lot, we have a lot of American visitors that visit this show as well. Yeah, no, it's definitely a question that I've gotten before. And to be honest, I'm not quite sure yet. So we're in a really unique position right now where um, we're just trying to make up for 2020. We sure. have so many um, transcendent events that we've had to actually delay from 2020 to 2021. So we've got this backlog almost of events that we've got to, you know, kind of dig ourselves out of. And We've done that so far in July. We had like five or six events in a row, which we've just been cranking out and churning, moving from one city to the next. So I'm not sure if Toronto is on the docket for us again, 
Um, I know it's also been interesting with Canada as far as, you know, who can actually come in and out of the country because of COVID. So I'm not too sure if there may be even just logistical reasons that it doesn't make sense for us this year. But we did, that being said, though, we did re receive really positive feedback about our presence there. So I think, um, you know, even just dipping our toes in the water and understanding what the show is about, what kind of presence we might be able to have there, how we can grow upon it in years to come. Um, we, we don't shy away from those opportunities, but again, not too sure if that's something that's, that's really in the cards for us, no pun intended, um, this year, uh, we're, I think just trying to make it through August first. <laughs> we've got, sure. we had a crazy July with all-star couple transcendence and, uh, you know, the national of course, ending August. And now we've got two, two or three transcendence coming up our celebration of the decades party, which we've had to delay from 2020, our 70th oh, anniversary great. party, which, um, you know, yeah. is from this year's product. So lots of fun, you know, events coming up and, uh, you know, but hopefully in the future, we'll make it back to Toronto because I know collectors enjoyed it. The top team that was out there enjoyed it. They, they had nothing but great things to say about their interactions with, with folks on the floor there. So um, hopefully it's something we can get back to, if not this year, then in future. Hopefully so in the future. Go ahead, Cam. I was just going to say, hopefully in the future and hopefully I'm hoping keeping fingers crossed, you'll have a much bigger presence just, just to, to to have an equal footing with the other <coughs> card companies that are there. <laughs> yeah, it's um it's a big one for so many others, I know. Um and I think that's you know, we take a lot of a lot of pride in in putting on a premiere event tops. Um and like I said, our our events department, our marketing department, um, the amount of detail that goes into thinking about the booth, um the structure, what is on the actual booth, what's inside the actual booth, the programming, the appearances, it's, um, there's a lot of great care that goes into every single detail. So um, yeah, it would be nice if we can, you know, help bring the Tor Toronto show up up another level just by, you know, being there in full force. So um, definitely hear you. And even just at the national, I mean, seeing Panini's booth was awesome. Like they had just such a great setup out there. And there were, there was so many booths that were really, really cool at the national, sure. but um, you know, it's nice to see that um, that level is, you know, continually rising and that, you know, hopefully tops is kind of helping lead the way if, if not at Toronto itself, but you know, just by holding our premier events throughout the industry. It's you know, awesome. what's neat. The neat thing is, so if you rewind it, so I just thought of an angle that might help. And we also have a very good relationship with uh, Steve, who runs the the our version of the National Sports Card Expo. So because of COVID and prior to COVID, baseball and soccer have exploded up here in Canada. So there's a lot of guys. It used to be a primarily hockey show. Now you're starting to see basketball, hockey, you know, football, and 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 baseball with equal footing. So if tops were to kind of look at it from a, a soccer and baseball angle, there's more than enough collectors here that would just love to see your products. And I will plug top tops heritage hockey was the best product in a long time. I love that product. If you can make that again, I won't say anymore. Okay. That's it. Um, <laughs> so. Noted, noted, noted. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and I think it, it depends too, because when you break down our events and, you know, this is again, getting into what, my coworker Jillian Gross does every day and she just crushes it. I don't yes. have enough amazing things to say about Jill, but 
you know, there's so many um, things that you don't think about um, when you just approach a booth that are so specific that go into the events. Mm -hmm. um, the way that the booth is wrapped, the traffic flow, what products we have there, um, what products we're promoting, what products we're trying to push. So it's kind of interesting because it's like from the organization's perspective, you think, uh, you know, hey, do we do we need to promote soccer product right now, right? There's almost like this weird, you know, it, how, how do you promote a product that isn't on shelves? Um, so there's yeah. like a lot of really interesting questions that you have, we have to ask ourselves internally. So that way we're cranking out a good experience and a good booth presence. And, um, you know, just like I said, a premier experience for people who are at the show um, and being able to connect with our fans while also being realistic about the reason why we're there, right? We're, every every show of ours has a very specific purpose, has very specific goals, and mm -hmm. um, and it, it varies and it's different from show to show. So you almost have to take Toronto like out from the rest of them and say, you know, what is our real purpose here? Yeah. And, and you kind of like work backwards from there when it comes to putting the whole event together. For sure. And uh, we know we put you a little bit on the hot seat, so we're going to take you off the hot seat. But we're just very passionate Canadians, and we just love to see you up here. That's that's a, the simple uh, motive there. I love uh, it. I will definitely uh, tell the marketing team in our in our daily sync up tomorrow that um, yet another group has told me we need to be back at Toronto at Sports Card Expo. <laughs> and we'll, Kent and I will help. Um, so just before we go on, there's a couple of people to say hi to. So Sanderson to Orr. So hey, thanks for coming out to hey, the show. Uh, Kent has a fan. Go Kent, go. Um, Sanderson, yes, he made a comment about he doesn't like the fact that licensing is the way it is. I'm sure we all would love to have it differently, but it is what it is. Um, here's a question I don't know if, if it's related to was Tops ever in Brooklyn? Yeah, Tops began in Brooklyn. Uh, Tops' roots yeah. are are in Brooklyn. Um, the Shorin family was, uh, you know, part of the original Tops. So we are we're now in in the bottom in Manhattan on Whitehall Street, uh, the very tip of Manhattan. So we can see Brooklyn from from the <laughs> office. But um, yeah, it'd be it, it wouldn't make my commute any easier. I'll admit, but uh, it's nice that we're still so close to our Brooklyn roots because, you know. I mean, we're celebrating our 70th anniversary of annual right. baseball cards this year. And that is crazy oh, wow. to think about, not even just as a um, a representative of Tops, but just as someone who enjoys the mm -hmm. hobby. And any American company that can stick around for that long is is pretty amazing. Um, so yep. it's cool that, you know, we're, we've been able to kind of stick to our roots throughout it all and remember who, who we are and why we began and where we began. Um, so that's been fun. I will say on the Brooklyn note for anyone watching who may be in Brooklyn, uh, this upcoming Friday, we are going to have the Tops truck come to Brooklyn. It'll be at the old Fulton Plaza. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with our Tops truck tour, but it's been traveling around from city to city to promote National Baseball Card Day, which is this Saturday, um, August 7th. So on Friday, we are, are going to have the truck back to our roots in Brooklyn and the old Fulton Plaza. So you could stay tuned on our social channels for a bit more info as the week goes on and, and Friday gets closer. But uh, to, to go back to the Brooklyn note, we'll be there with the truck for sure on Friday. Awesome. So uh, Kent, so when, prior to the show, Kent and I always agree to split up the questions. And he always gives me this question. And I'm a Blue Jays fan, so it bothers me <laughs> a little bit. And I'm going to go here, but I have to. So Kent, in the future, just because I'm a diehard Blue Jays fan, please don't give me this question again. Sure. <laughs> so, we know that you're a Yankees fan. Okay, I said it. 
you're a Yankees fan. Uh, we had a guest on fire, which you mentioned earlier. Susan is also a Yankees fan. She's also a former Tops employee, and she PCs Derek Jeter. So is there a prerequisite that you must be a Yankees fan to work at Tops? That's so funny. Um, you know, I think it's proximity. I think it's proximity. Uh, you know, being in New York, you kind of naturally, you naturally get a bunch of Yanks and, and Mets fans uh, in the office as well. So um, pure coincidence, but definitely proximity to the city has something to do with it. Um, you know, it's actually fun because this past week in Chicago, uh, one of our our brand managers was, or assistant brand manager, Ryan was out there with us who comes from Chicago originally. So he's a big Cubbies fan. And um, so it's nice to have those, you know, stories that pop out from tops about who actually roots for who. Um, and although it was a little bit of a rough week for him in Chicago and his Cubbies, it was still, mm -hmm. still fun to have someone, you know, that it just, being in that location hit home for so uh it that's a, a great great question but um no prereq but definitely proximity uh helps a lot yeah you could well brooklyn dodgers have never left i've been a brooklyn dodgers fan so i have an affinity for brooklyn dodgers and jackie robinson but i uh, will save that for another show um so i want to get into more about you the person Right, we talked a lot about your job, and then you're more than just your job. You're a person who enjoys the hobby. You mentioned that you do it with your dad. So, what's your? Here's your three questions in a row: favorite sport, favorite athlete, and who do you collect? Oh my gosh, you're really putting me on the hot seat now. Um, let's see, my favorite sport. I'll go with baseball. Big baseball fan. It's in my blood. Um, my grandfather played for a farm team for the Phillies. Oh, nice. um, so. Yeah. Just kind wow. of in, in my blood, which is which is neat. Um, I'm a Yanks fan. I will definitely have Aaron Judge's back any day of the week. Um, I think he's been really great for New York and, of course, just the numbers he puts up um, as far as current players goes. But uh, kind of back to my point about just rooting for players that I feel mm -hmm. like maybe I have a connection with or collecting players that yep. I feel like I have a connection with. Um, I've had the pleasure of being on a couple of Zoom calls with both Juan Soto and Chris Bryant, and they have been uh -huh. nothing but just so genuinely nice and so happy to be working with Tops and to be on the call where I'm showing Juan Soto his face on the Series 1 packaging was just so neat, and, and I love and cherish that experience that I had. So, um, you know, I, I collect a little bit of Soto just out of, um, you know, knowing him and and getting to have the opportunity to chat with him on zoom a couple of times but i think it's um i'm almost like i uh i'm almost like a little bit of an add collector because i after like i'll i'll be obsessed with someone for a day and then i have another zoom call the next week and i'm like bam it's all about this person now right like it's like one to the next to the next to the next for me um, for a while, even I had this awesome um, call, and, and this is really all related back to the RIP party, where we had a whole bunch of Zoom interviews with current and former players who were ripping open old packs of cards for us. We captured all that footage on Zoom, and then we aired it during the RIP party. And part of that was Mark McGuire. And it was just him and I on a Zoom call, and, and for like 30 minutes, we just chatted baseball cards. Wow. It was like the most enjoyable experience that I have had. Um, and he was so, you know, genuinely interested in the process of tops and the process of creating the products. And, 
you know, just thinking about if someone, you know, if a little kid was to pull him in a pack, like it was, it was really cool to see the way that once he sat down, you know, and started ripping open packs, he was really starting to think about baseball cards. And that was just so neat. So now I, um, I'm like sitting here at my desk, seeing if I have any Mark McGuire cards on hand. I don't think I do, but, um, I, I know I have one of his somewhere and, uh, I just, I've kept it on my desk for a while because um, I just won't for, won't forget that experience that I had with him. So I think that was a long-winded way of saying I collect anyone who, for a, even a blinking moment, um, I'm you know fond of or you know appreciate or had a really good experience with. So um, probably not the best answer as just saying, "Hey, I collect this one guy and I'm all in on this guy." I like to just um, make up my collection of the experiences that I have. That's really that's cool. A, there's nothing wrong with that answer. And that's the, no. type of, that's the answer we want to hear, right? Because, um, you know, not, so I'll just go on a bit of a, a segue here. Not everything is about money. Not everything is about flipping. There, there are people, I would argue, uh, there's probably the, if the population of flippers and people who are investors are probably like the one to 2%. 98% of people are actually collectors. They're the ones going to those dime boxes trying to fill their sets. So we got to make sure that those guys are well represented as well. Yeah, that's what it's about. And I think that everyone has such a different way of collecting, which is the really unique part. Oh, I just found my note from Mark McGuire. I'll show you guys. Said, uh, yeah, thanks for including awesome. me in top 70th. So he actually, um, sorry, because I'm just kind of trying to look around my desk here and see what I, I might have to show you guys. But he, um, when we were on the Zoom, he pulled himself out of a pack, which was awesome. We had him opening up, I think, like 2,000 tops or something. Yeah. And then I asked him to sign it and send it back to me. So that way we could give it away from our social channels, which we did like right after the rip party. And um, he included this note with it. And I was just like That's blown really away cool. that he like wrote me a note. Yeah. So um, That's awesome. my this is part of my autograph. Mark McGuire PC, I guess. Um, That's better than autograph cards. Like I, I appreciate stuff like that. And it's funny because you mentioned stuff around my desk. I was just looking and I have, I just opened a whole swack load of, of top cards earlier. Um, and I've got, well, you don't want to see my room. This is not about my show, but I opened up some match attacks as well. But anyway, oh, will, match attacks. There you go. I will say though, the coolest thing is when somebody takes the time to write something. Yes. I think that's all lost nowadays because it's, it's everything's like communic email communication, text, whatever. But the fact that he took the time to write that little note for it, included it in that card, that's just, that is so awesome. Yeah, it was so cool. And I think it just kind of goes to show, um, like I was saying before, how genuinely interested he was. And he wasn't just, you know, hopping on a Zoom because he had right. to and we asked him to and whatnot. He was really there for the conversation. And we just had a really awesome conversation for, you know, a half hour or so. And so, you know, I, I think we see players past and present as, you know, superhumans and, like our conversation in the beginning of the show, every, we're all human, right? People yep. at Tops are human. Baseball players are human. No matter how big of a superstar athlete and a global face of a game you can be, um, at the end of the day, we're all just human. And so to see the joy that so many of the players get just out of simply ripping open a pack of cards is a very humanizing experience and makes you appreciate th that, you know, anyone can rip open a pack of cards, right? It's not, it's not for any one person. It's not for, um, you know, e even mentioning, you know, the influx of women in the hobby, right? It's not for any one gender. It's not, it's, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't even matter what age you are. You could be seven years old. You could be 70 years old. Um, everyone loves opening up a pack of baseball cards. And that's one of the coolest 
things about tops is that we we really garner those experiences no matter who you are. And tops also has a rich history and also trading card elicits emotional responses. So in, in marketing in general, one of the things you want to latch into is like, well, how do we drive an emotional response? Well, you got that part licked. Now it's the fun part, right? Um, actually, speaking of even more fun, uh, and this is the question I really wanted to get to ask you about, because I find this stuff fascinating and more the psychology of it. What was it like to have your own autograph card in Allen and Ginter? Like, explain that for a moment. Like, someone came to you and said, Emily, we need you to sign, and I know you can't name, X amount of number copies of this card, and we're going to give it out. Yeah, that was the coolest, coolest moment. Um, I think it was in 2019 uh, when I had a Ginter card, and I was like shocked they picked me. Um, I was just so excited and I'm like, oh my God, what photo am I gonna choose? And so I had this, um, I, I love like sharks and sea life. I come from the Jersey shore. So it's just something I grew up with, um, you know, being at the beach and by the ocean. So I had this like shark t-shirt and Ginter that year was actually releasing during shark week, which is like the oh, okay. best week of TV. Um, oh, yeah. so I was just yeah. like, I'm, I'm going to go all in on shark week. And I had a shirt that had like basically jaws on it, essentially like the jaws of a shark on it, not the movie. Um, and so I'm like putting up like the, the scary face to, to do. It. And then that ended up being my Ginter card. And um, yeah, I was like nervous when I sat down to sign him. Like, I don't think I've ever cared this much about my autograph before, you know? Um, and so I practiced a few times and then there's only 10 copies. So I signed 10 copies that um, ended up framed and out in the wild. And uh, a really funny story about it is that I saw one of them on eBay and I'm on the phone with my dad and I'm like, dad, we got a bit on it. Like we, I got to get one that was actually out in the wild. And so we were super confident. We're on the phone. It's like late when the auction was ending on eBay. And at the last second, my dad was outbid by someone. And I think he took that personally. Like he was so offended that he could possibly get outbid like buying one of my Allen and Ginter cards. And so for the next couple of weeks, we had all the notifications on about, you know, the listings, if it was like Emily Kless in the title or whatever it was. And so um, I said, dad, you know, there's another one up there. I think it was number eight of 10. And uh, it might have been a buy it now even option, I think. So um, he, he said to me, oh, like we, we missed that one. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'll give it up from here. It's just, you know, time, timing isn't going to work out, but it's still fun to have the cards out there. And then the next time that I saw my dad, he actually gave it to me as a present. So he bought uh -huh. it. Um, he found it. I have one of my cards that was actually in circulation, which was super, super cool. And um, yeah, it was just like a fun experience watching my cards go up on eBay. And um, and then this year, what's really neat is that they're kind of doing the same same sort of concept, but in in Garbage Pail Kids. And so in um, series two of GPK, which comes out this fall, I believe, um, they did some employee. Um, sh I guess you could call them short prints, employee short prints. And so they asked me to be on one for GPK. So I'm. A garbage pail kid, which looks so silly, but it was um, the artist did an incredible job. I actually think I have the, yeah, I do right here. I have the original artwork they sent it to me. Oh, get um, out of here. Oh, nice. there's, there's my GPK. Awesome. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that will be, and he sent me like the original sketch too, which was really neat. So, um, that will be coming out in, in the fall, and I really hope I get one of those because I 
I, I, I love GPK in a weird way. I just think it's such a fun brand and is so culturally iconic. So I'm really excited for that one. But uh, yeah, always an honor when when Tops is thinking of me. So I'm, I'm yeah, excited. I was gonna say, yeah, your Ginter card is like scarce. It's scarce. There's there's only ten, and I'm like, guys, I I want a copy. Like I, we had to go on eBay and buy a copy. So um, I don't know if if anyone out there has it. I like I've got stuff to trade for it. Is all I'm saying. Well, you heard, to, it, you uh, heard it here yeah. first. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, you get ten copies, and uh, Emily will trade for it. And just so, if you want to give uh, some props to Top's design, like the designs of the latest set is phenomenal i love the artwork heritage it. heritage set, yeah very simple and effective i love that uh style of art yeah heritage is such a popular brand because how can you not i mean in my opinion when it comes to tops how can you not love that vintage feel it just feels good you know it really yeah. just feels good opening it up um the the colors usually pop like that that bright blue that you just flashed up i mean Come on, that's awesome for a baseball card. It's not just the, you know, the subdued colors. There, there's, you know, kind of wacky colors that they make just totally pop in heritage. So, um, yeah, really, really great product line all the way through. Awesome. So I know we're coming up in an hour. Are you okay to to keep going for a bit? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm all yeah. yours, you guys. So also, I don't want to I don't want to wear out your voice. So just please please <laughs> be honest with us. I, I had some tea because I um, the the national was just I was like yelling through a mask for five days straight and um, my voice was not having it. So have have my water here. I'm ready to go for, for okay. as long as you guys need me. Awesome. So want to get uh, one question. I don't know if you kind of addressed this already. So we might uh, be able to skip it. But there's a particular piece of this question. So everyone knows your series one baseball product that's a, a badly kept secret so everyone knows about it baseball players know about it fans know about it but the rip party concept is new so is that something that you came up with and and then how was that received and did you get any pushback saying well people know this already why do you want to invest time in doing x so can you speak to that a bit yeah absolutely i think that um first and foremost we wanted to view series one as as really opening day in a sense it was the mm -hmm. opening day of baseball cards right it's the the new season of baseball cards is officially out and um so how do you get people excited about series one when it comes off the heels of the super bowl usually um and so uh because usually it's early february so there's there's not much talk about baseball yet it's not spring training really yet it's really in the very beginning you know football season's just ending so, so how do you get people excited about it? And two years ago, 2020, um, we decided to, or two rip parties ago, I should say, we decided to have this inaugural million card rip party where we had 20 or so teams of breakers that, that came with us to Dallas and we ripped open a million cards in one night. And it was just really a way to bring attention to series one, to make a splash, to show some love to the breakers, um, to show some love to the product and, you know, get people really involved in buying the product before it really even hit the shelves, right? Because the rip party itself was the night before the actual drop of the product. So if you were buying into a break, you were, you were collecting series one that night before anyone else was able to collect it. So it was kind of, you know, this cool aspect to it of just being able to, to bring the product to people before the general public, so to speak. 
And it was really great to have Pete Alonso there because he was on the cover of it at the time and was just, you know, one of the biggest names in baseball um, and had a monster year. So that was really cool to have him involved with it. And then, of course, fast forward to 2021's Rip Party, and we couldn't be in person. Everything had to be virtual. And so we were like, you had to take a step back. You know, how do you how do you still hold some sort of event that is for collectors without really being able to be in person with everyone. So we came up with that, this idea that we would just really lean into the 70th anniversary and we would rip open packs from every single decade of tops um, and do so with special guests like Mark McGuire and Chris yeah. Bryant and Juan Soto and Ryan Sandberg and Fergie Jenkins and, and all of the other amazing guests that we had for the rip party, Don Mattingly and, Schmoltz was on there and Glavin. It was, it was really cool. I mean, the, the powerhouse names were just amazing. Um, and so, you know, we went through every single decade of tops, starting with 51 with our, our first set in 51. And here's one of the cards we yeah. had in the 51 set that I um, awesome. still have from the rip party. So yeah, it was really, you know, a unique experience of, of putting on a, a totally virtual broadcast and, making sure there was elements of it that were, you know, calling out what was in the actual product and really promoting series one, but also just leaning into our 70th anniversary and trying to make it kind of this one night only in tops history. Um, so that was really cool. And um, just such a unique experience. I'm sure that we'll probably have some sort of rip party again next year. We've gotten really great feedback from it. Um, and then the other element that we brought into the rip party this year was the first ever breaker showcase, which mm -hmm. was um, for those who didn't watch, we kind of had this uh, tournament style competition among four different breakers. And essentially what you pulled from the pack had almost like a point value associated with it. So, um, or maybe first person to pull a one of one, or if you collected all of the rookie cup team, uh, you got X amount of points. So it was kind of a neat thing that we just um, decided to play around with, see if it worked. And um, there's definitely a lot we can improve on, but at the same time, I think it was a really good start to maybe what something like that can become in the future. Uh, so that was a, a, a unique part to, to the rip party this year also. And then that helped us like entirely showcase series one just through the breaker showcase. So, so that was neat. Um, but yeah, people have really enjoyed it from the feedback that I have heard, at least. I, I think there's ways we can improve, ways we can still, you know, find, you know, hopefully we'll be in person next year, assuming that some sort of rip party happens. But again, it all comes down to getting people excited about the product in the beginning of February. So uh, think that we've done that the past two years. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see what, what the team cooks up for, for next year. Awesome. Just before we go, uh, Kenta asked your questions. I want to quickly say hi to a few more people. So our good friend Eli, he says you have an awesome guest. So this is uh, Emily here in live and in person. So she's an awesome guest for sure. We're having fun here. Um, Webo2, we just asked about the Allen and Ginter cards. I hope that answered your, your question. Um, our good friend name says Shark Week Rules. So you got a fan there. Um, I'm going to throw this one up here because I thought it was funny because you you short foreign garbage pail kids to GPK, which is very like uh, very modern way of referring to product. So I think it's awesome. Uh, he agrees that the artwork's fantastic. Um, Dennis is always here and he said we had a great show tonight. So that's awesome. And thank you, Emily. And we thank you, Emily, for coming on. Thank you, Dennis. So I have a few more questions. We're going to try and keep Emily sane. These aren't very uh, long questions. So we're almost done there. Um, Kent, go ahead, buddy. 
So speaking of artwork, uh, we've had the pleasure of interviewing Paul Jenis uh, of Game Within the Game. And we've had Blake Jamison on our show as well for Project 2020 and Top 70. Um, they're just an example of tops staying innovative. So in your mind, wh why do you think it's important to remain ahead of the curve in terms of being in innovative? Yeah, I think that Tops has always been an innovator in the space. Um, you look at, you know, the 70 years of history and, and you don't you don't happen upon 70 years. You have to continually fight for each year and fight for each product and improve upon it every single year. And um, I think what was really nice was we found this really great connection between baseball cards and artwork, but even more so than that, baseball cards and culture. And, mm -hmm. and that's where the artwork kind of clashes in there. Uh, um, and so with you, you know, you see Project 2020 and now Project 70, it just brought a whole new, you know, just it gave you a whole new idea of what a baseball card could be. Um, right. If they're if they're so collectible as it is and, and artwork itself is so collectible, then how can we really mesh the two? And I think that Tops, you know, Tops put together project 2020 and that changed the game for baseball cards and i know i say this as a representative of tops but um even just as a collector i feel like it changed the game and it just came you know out of the gates as you know continuing to put tops uh as a leader of the pack as far as you know the ideas that we have and this is all kudos to the product teams and our e-commerce team who who uh, runs projects 2020, project 70. So I think we found this really great um, niche where we're just kind of connecting with artists and we're bringing their fans and their consumers of their artwork into our space, um, especially from us, from our perspective as the marketing team, it's all about the new consumer, right? It's about, um, of course, who is already in the hobby, but it's about who isn't in the hobby that can be mm -hmm. in the hobby. And so finding these different alleys and, and different ways that you can reach a collector um, or someone who could be a collector uh, is, you know, is important. And I think we kind of, you know, we, we, hit the nail on the head with that, with the artwork aspect of it. And sure. within that, the artwork itself is so different. So um, what I might love as a piece of art, you might hate and vice versa. And I think that's also the neat part about the uh, the projects, the e-commerce projects 2020 and Project 70 is that it really drove the conversation every single day, whether you thought it was an unbelievable drop or whether you were sick of seeing another Yankee, um, it just drove the conversation and people were chatting and, and, you know, at the end of the day when you're making news like that and you have enough people that care about what you're doing every single day, I, I, you've done something right. And so, um, yeah, the, the art drops have just been, uh, or the art sets, I should say, have, have been a huge success for us, but also just as a collector, they're, they're amazing. Some of them are just absolutely oh, yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. There's so many artists that uh, I love in different ways from our, you know, talking about Project 70. There's so many artists that have such a different approach to the way that they actually um, put together their cards. And so I think that whole process has just been super neat to follow. Absolutely. I can't, uh, I can't add on to that. No, that's a perfect answer. <laughs> I was trying to make that. No, that was really well said. <laughs> So, so Emily, what advice can you give to others who want to follow in a similar path as yours, wanting to get into career in marketing communications and or the hobby itself? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it, you got to you got to work hard at the end of the day. I 
try and work my butt off um, every single day because I'm doing it not only for myself and my career, but I'm doing it to make um, you know my small piece of the earth a better place and my small footprint at Tops make what I do um, better for consumers at the end of the day. I've had the pleasure of working with a lot of really great people, not just at Tops, but through you know my time at the Players Association and I've made some really amazing relationships and connections and that it has become so valuable to me, not in a way that has you know passed me along to Tops or anything like that, but in a way where I've been able to just learn and network and um, always try and evolve and and you know be dangerous, right? You wake up feeling dangerous, like hey, what am I going to do today that's going to make a difference for my organization? That's going to make a difference for me and my career. That's going to make a difference for the people around me. Um, and so I try and do that every single day. And while some days it's harder to keep that into perspective because you're so in the daily grind of it, you just got to keep working hard. Um, mm. You know. I've mentioned this July has been really crazy right. for the tops team traveling all over going from Denver to our transcendent events, which we had a few in between Denver and then going out to the national and you're setting up the booth and you're breaking it down and you're talking with so many different people and it becomes a little bit of a whirlwind, but that's what I love about it is because that, that adrenaline is kind of what keeps me going and, and doing things like this with you guys is what keeps me going. Um, even though like my laundry still isn't done for the national, I, <laughs> I'm here, you know, I'm here to chat about baseball cards because this is what matters, what we what we do right here and, and what we're doing right now, this is what matters for the hobby. And no matter how many people are here watching with us, um, these conversations are what matter. So a um, bit of a tangent sort of answer, but I try and just work hard and put my best foot forward and you know with if you can see it you can be it so I try and I try and be that for anyone else who might be watching no oh, that's a great model that's a great model actually so I gotta ask you this question and we kind of went over it the other night <laughs> uh, so this is this video called summer internship 2014 which is a parody of the most interesting man in the world so first of all was that you and if it was you what was the inspiration behind the video yeah, you're going back to my YouTube account. I'm afraid to ask what else is on there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had um, applied for an internship one summer, and I think part of the requirements for it was to make a video or do okay. something unique. I'm not. I'm not even too sure because it was, it was a good couple of years ago at this point. But um, lo and behold, I did not get the internship. Um, yeah. <laughs> kept the video on my YouTube page, uh, regardless. Um, but you know, it's also those moments that, uh, just build you into the person that, that you are right. Not, not every door is going to open for you. And I think it's how you handle the adversity, um, that matters the most as opposed to, you know, you know, it's, it's always, it's always great when you're celebrating successes and accomplishments, but it's who you are in the moments where you're bummed and you feel hurt and you, you know, you want to cry, right? It's those moments that how you handle those is, um, is what speaks to who you are more as a person. So didn't get the internship, kept the video on my YouTube page, called a chip on my shoulder, whatever it might be. But, uh, yeah, that was a fun one. I think I've always been into, you know, the content perspective as far as editing, directing, producing videos. So um, you can tell from from my YouTube page that goes way back when. 
And uh, yeah, so that's a, a funny shout out. I appreciate that question because uh, yeah, show, goes to show that, you know, no matter what has or hasn't happened for you, um, you don't know what might happen for you tomorrow. So I'm thankful to be here on the top side. And, uh, you know, I guess that internship was, uh, you know, not, not in my stars. Right. I would say it's probably not meant to be, but it led you down this path where you're at tops now. So That's I would exactly say tops right. is tops is better off by having you as, as part of uh, their team representing tops, I'd say. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> What's interesting is so, a bit of a, a segue here. You said two or three things in our interview today, which I love, right? And especially from being a tech guy and working in advertising, was you said not being afraid to fail, right? Always being positive and pushing yourself forward, right? Um, and you know, and and understanding it's okay not to be okay. You just mentioned it just now. Like sometimes you have moments you wanna, you just wanna, you know, sob in your pillow and whatnot. So this next question is gonna be interesting. So. I have a feeling I know where it's going to go. And first of all, I, just for full disclosure for everyone watching, I hadn't met Emily before because I had an internet issue, so we couldn't actually chat. This has been an awesome experience because I feel your passion and your, and I can feel your genuineness, and that's really inspiring. So speaking of inspiration, if you had the chance to go back and find a DeLorean and go visit your younger self, what advice would you give yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would probably tell myself that uh, I should I should not be afraid to be my authentic self. I think that um, especially, you know, to just touch on a bit, as a woman in sports, there's a lot of expectation, uh, societal expectation of what you should be, uh, what you should look like, how you should act. And I've never really fit that mold. Um, there's a lot of pieces to me that aren't your your typical, you know, good looking girl on camera. That's not me. Um, and that you see a lot of that in, in you know, especially the social media world. Um, and I've never tried to be anything other than who I am at Tops. And I appreciate Tops for embracing me in that way. I appreciate my boss, Wendy Friedman. She's our director of marketing. Um, she has she has embraced me in a way that I have always felt like I can just be my authentic self. And that's what, that's what makes me good at my job. And she has been my number one supporter because of that, even through days where it's really hard to get on camera because there's people out there that aren't nice and people out yeah. there that, yeah. you know, that like to say things that, um, that are a little crazy sometimes. And, um, you know, uh, at the end of the day, there those opinions are are not the opinions that matter. It's the opinions of those close to me. Um, you know, the opinions of those who I work with. That we are all working together to build a better place at Tops, to build a better product for our consumers, to build a better strategy and presence on our social channels. It's the people that I work with every day who um, their opinions matter, and so they have been nothing short of amazing as far as accepting me for exactly who I am because that is that's when I feel like I'll shine the most is when I feel empowered to be who I am um, being someone I'm not is is not gonna cut it for me at least um, there's no pretending uh, in this kind of role you're you're either who you are or you're you're a fake right and so um, I don't want to be a fake I want to be exactly who I am and uh, the people around me have made it absolutely okay for me to do so. And I tell my younger self that I would say just continue, you know, to be who you are. 
I wouldn't change anything about my experience. I wouldn't change anything about my journey. I have no regrets because it's only lessons learned as cliche as that is. But I would just, I would go back and, and tell my younger self to, you know, it's okay to be who you are. And maybe I'll, I, I'll wish I had found that a little sooner in going back to telling my younger self to stop trying to fit a mold that I'm not going to fit in. But uh, that's, I think what I would, what I would say to myself, you know, just continue being you because at the end of the day, that is, that's what people want me here for is for me to be no one else but me. You know what? Um, you mentioned earlier about how your dad was so upset that he couldn't get your auto. I know why, because he's extremely proud to have a daughter like you. And oh. you're like, he's, so if your father is listening, you did a fantastic <laughs> job raising your daughter. Like she's got full of inspiration, pride, and mm -hmm. motivation to. Definitely. The purpose of our channel, even though we talk about trading cards, it's a vehicle to help inspire positivity, diversity, inclusivity, you know, and there are not people in the traditional demographic collecting cards. You mentioned just now that your director, your boss is another woman, um, yourself a woman. There's the people who set up the booths. I believe you mentioned two women that do that. So there's four women already in very, very senior level positions that are doing some amazing things for, for tops. And we we want to show the world if one person if you can inspire it's not us sorry it's your message uh, emily if you can inspire one person to have to do and follow their dreams and passions then we as a group me and can't feel like we've done our job and that's all our, our goal is for this channel so before i go and tub stomp there and i wasn't supposed to go on a, on a poetry motion there but what are your thoughts based on what i just talked about and seeing more and more women collected in the hobby and actually not just collecting but influencing the hobby like yourself and the group that you talk, talk so passionately about yeah yeah um our marketing team is four females strong and i i love it um we just you know we crank it out every day we um we're each other's support system in a world that is otherwise very male dominated yeah. um even an organization that is otherwise very male dominated and so mm -hmm. It's really nice to, um, you know, feel like you're amongst some of your own people sometimes, and to have that type type of connection that you might not find elsewhere. But I think over, you know, the past year, there's really been such a such a, a strong, you know, will to to want to showcase female collectors and to want to showcase women in the hobby, like Sam. Right? It's uh, the people sure. like that that have mm -hmm. actually taken the time to to give this sort of uh, platform mm -hmm. to people because while there's plenty of, of women that are in the hobby, um, there's still room for them to be uh, on the forefront of it, creating content for it, being part of podcasts, being part of web shows. Um, that's where, you know, like I said before, if you, if you could see it, you can be it. And that's where it's super important for women and not just women, but any type of minority or, and, and diversity to be a part of this hobby. I said it before, this hobby is for everyone. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what gender you are, what age you are, what color you are. It's, it's what religion, it's just, it doesn't matter. It's card yeah. collecting is for absolutely everyone. And I think that the hobby is finally starting to come around to a place where um, those voices and those minority voices are finally being heard, finally being given a platform in which to speak. And there couldn't be enough content coming out of that. So um, yeah, it's really nice to, to work with, you know, the marketing team being, you know, we have, we have two guys on our team that put up with us four girls all day. And, um, 
you know, we're six strong and it's um, at the end of the day, I think it's a team effort and the um, no matter who we are, you know, it's our, it's our individual personality traits that is, is the glue of the team. It's not what bodies we inhabit or what age we are or what gender we are or anything like that. It's um, it's about our will to work and how much that we want to be not only in it, but in it together. Um, so that way when we're, on Sunday night, breaking down the booth at the national. And it's been quite a few days of um, nonstop busyness and nonstop social interaction that can get to be exhausting. Sometimes you, um, you know, you just, you look around and, and me and Jill and Steph, who I mentioned earlier, we just had this moment where um, we were on the show floor shortly after buying my $5 blind bag that we ripped open together. And we kind of just were like, wow, like, people are here because of tops or at least partly because of tops, right? People are at the national because of what we do. And we had such a sense of pride in that. And uh, it was just a really cool realization to have amongst, you know, the team that I work with day in, day out, that we kind of see the, the best sides of each other and we see the not so great sides of each other and we work through it and um, get it done at the end of the day. So uh, it was a very cool moment to have with the two of them specifically at the national. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a good time to be part of the hobby right now because the platforms exist, the will to, to showcase different types of people on those platforms exist. And that's just super important. For sure. And uh, our good friend name who primary focus on indigenous rookie cards, he thanks you for all the advice and reminders. You're doing an amazing job being you. So there you go. Thank um, you so much. That's sweet. Yeah, he's he's a great guy, and uh, you've been an awesome guest. So we got two questions left. So I want to keep your voice. You haven't said take a sip of water yet. <laughs> so I sound Kent, like I've been smoking for eighty years. I feel like <laughs> you sound fine. Um, Kent's going to grab the last two questions, and just before we do that, um, I forgot to add in the ticker that we have an amazing guest coming up. Her name is uh, Cindy D. She does the Giant Legends at Giant Legends on Instagram. Uh, does vintage uh, pre-1972, if I'm not mistaken, uh, women-only card trading cards? Yeah, women-only card tools, yep. So we'll be talking about some history and some important social events that happened and why she's collecting that, so stay tuned for that. Anyway, over to you, Kent. Uh, so Emily, this, this, this next is not really a question. It's more about, do you have something to share with our audience that's coming up? I believe it's National Baseball Card Day. So can you share with our audience what uh, that entails and how they can get involved with that? Yes, definitely. Saturday, this Saturday, August 7th, National Baseball Card Day. We are so excited because it's really a place where we can support our local hobby shops, which is the root of the day. Um, it's really important that you go out to your local card shop, you support the people there. There's so many amazing stores across the country, um, Canada included, that uh, are you know here for the hobby and um, here for the people. That like like I keep going back to it's the, it's the, it's about the people and there's so many amazing people that run local hobby shops that are participating in, participating in National Baseball Card Day. Um, really, just for walking in there, you can get a free pack of cards. So that's uh, for starters. But we also have some exclusive gift with purchase cards where you just spend ten dollars on any tops product. And there are two cards. I believe the first week is Tatis Jr. Second week's Alex Bohm. Um, and of course, our Tops truck is rolling through New York City, uh, Brooklyn on Friday, New York City proper on Saturday. So we're really excited to celebrate 
National Baseball Card Day in New York City itself. But if you can't be in New York City, we're also going to be celebrating online, which is the best part of there social media. Um, so at Tops, we are going to have some giveaways going out, some really just unique pieces of content hearing some, from some former and even current players about what it was like growing up collecting. So there'll be some really neat stuff coming from our pages that day. And we encourage everyone to, to post your polls on National Baseball Card Day so we can kind of just all rejoice in in the best things we love about the hobby, which is the actual cards themselves, right? So if you're gonna post on social media, make sure you tag us at Tops, but also use the hashtag, hashtag TopsNBCD when you're posting so that way we can curate just a beautiful feed of everyone's amazing cards, um, amazing time that they had at their local hobby shop. And for any additional information, you can go to tops.com slash National Baseball Card Day. It's got all the info up there. Shortly, we'll be uploading a list of all the hobby shops that will be participating. So be on the lookout for that coming from the website. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a really fun day on Saturday. So I hope everyone, even if you can't get to your shop, hopefully you can you know rip open a couple packs from home and, and tweet or post at us. Now, Emily, will there be, again, this year, autograph parallels in those packs? I believe so. Um, I Don't quote me on it, maybe, but I believe so. I think we actually just dropped the checklist today, so I would have to go Sweet. back and double check. But, um, yeah, card design looks super nice. Um, almost has, like, a stadium club feel to it, to me, at least, just, like, the, the nice large photos. And, of course, the National Baseball Card Day logo. So, um, yeah, some good players on there, nice design. And, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to see what people pull from those packs. Now, speaking of stadium club, that is another one of my favorite baseball products that Tops does because the photography in that that uh, particular line of product is just amazing every year. Gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. And I think what's cool about Stadium Club is there's, you know, there's different products where different elements have their time to shine. And with Stadium Club, photo it's photography, hands down. It has yeah. its total time to shine. Whereas then you compare it to a product like one of my favorites, which is Triple Threads, where the design is totally has the floor um, and the design has the time to shine, where you have these really cool designs that are making out words that have relics in them. And then it relates to the text, the editorial text on the back of the card. So each product almost has its own function. There we go. Look at that beauty. Like, come on, what a gorgeous card. <laughs> Um, so yeah, each product, you know, ha has its own function in, in the portfolio of Topps products and whether that's, you know, something that is, you know, strong and steady, like flagship. Yeah. Like just, it's just imagery that you, you wouldn't get otherwise. And, and on beautiful, just the beautiful stock as well. Um, yeah, it's just, it's fun. Stadium club is so fun. Um, so yeah, I, I love stadium club, but then at the same time, love triple threads where you just get to see the, the relics and, and oh, now you're just showing off of me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, great, great product. And um, and then we even have Ginter, right? And that has a whole different right. type of design and that's coming out next week. So like, it's just really cool to see the, how expansive the, the portfolio is and how um, different each product is. And it, it, each product really serves its own kind of purpose within the, you know, the entirety that is tops. So um and, you know, National Baseball Card Day is no different. So we hope that people go out to their local hobby shops, collect a couple, you know, a couple cards, a couple packs, or at least make some new friends on that day. Awesome. Um, so out of respect of your time, uh, and it's been an honor to have you on our show for an hour and a half now. 
and the fact that you just got back from the national and you've been talking for so long and even on our show for tonight we want to spare your voice so we've actually believe it or not reached the towards the end of our show for tonight so we always end it with one question for all of our guests and i i know you had a chance to preview the questions so i'm going to ask it now and what inspires you emily kless yeah, personal connections. Um, I am such a people person. And I think that at the end of the day, all we really have in this life are our are, are relationships, um, mm -hmm. our friendships, our connections with people. And um, just in the way that I like to collect cards of people that I have connections with, I think that kind of sums it up for me. It's, it's you hold close to you what's important and what shapes you as a person. And the interactions that you have with other people is really it's really what shapes you especially especially in an industry like ours especially in the hobby where um you know it's a lot more fun to sit with someone and open a pack of cards than it is to sit alone right so um so yeah i think it's um you know the connections and the people that i get to chat with even just coming off the national i just i've had so many awesome conversations with people who who stopped me even just to say hi or you know tell me about their co connect collection and just to connect with those people it was such a such an inspiring event and really just a fulfilling like a personally fulfilling event for me in that get, you know I just got to be on the ground with people and and um, you know even doing doing this with with you guys right now like this is I cherish this kind of stuff because this is what this is what makes the hobby fun for me. This is what makes my job fun in, is that I get to just connect with different people and share different stories and have different conversations. And yeah, all we have in this life are, are our connections and our relationships. So it's um, it's important to cherish them while you have them. Great answer. Um, and with that, I want to, we're gonna wrap up the show and Emily, you can just hang out for a quick second while we say bye to everyone. So. Um, there was a subtle dig, but I'm going to have to do it because I'm not a Yankees fan. And Sanderson to Orr is a Boston Red Sox fan. Clearly, he says the earth needs everyone to be part of this hobby except Yankee fans. Definitely not them. But um, we don't really mean that. Maybe. Kind of. Um, going to say good night to everyone. Thank you for just showing up to our, our show tonight. This was a, an awesome uh, guest to have. And Emily, thank you very much for your time. Hang out yeah, there. We're going to end the show. And have a good night, folks. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for watching, tuning in.